Easter is upon us. How cool is that? So uh, just a few short weeks away, was it two weeks, three weeks from today, we will be celebrating Easter here at Glory Church. Um, I just love Easter, and, and I'm going to be starting to sort of break it down and talk a little bit about it in the next few weeks. But please, if you can, come. It's such a great opportunity. If you have folks that have never been to church before or they're hesitant to come to church, Easter Sunday is a, such a great Sunday to invite them to come. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to have some incredible worship. And we're really just going to talk about the gift that Jesus is to us. We talk about that at Christmas often, um, but really what Jesus did for us on the cross and the significance of that. So please come on Easter. Uh, if you can, I understand people travel for holidays too. So if you can't be here, totally understand. If you are going to be here, try to invite somebody. Bring somebody new. Um, I think it will bless them and it'll, uh, it'll be an incredible time, opportunity of worship, like every Sunday is. Um, but if you can, please, please join us. All right. You ready for the word this morning? Okay. Awesome. Um, so this, uh, this morning, we're going to, uh, the, this passage of scripture we're going to be studying out of is in first Peter chapter two. So feel free to get that started. Uh, find that in your, in your Bible. I'm going to introduce a little bit and then we'll, we'll jump into the word, um, and dive a little deep into that. But today, um, I'm going to be talking about who we are and, and, and how we are God's chosen people. Um, this is probably my favorite time of the year. And I know that sounds silly because there's the summer when it's 80 degrees and sunny. Um, I love the spring primarily because it sh everything comes alive in the spring. Mm -hmm. We come out of this like dark and dreary time in the winter uh, and I don't know about any of you. I know I've talked about this the last few weeks. I am so ready for the snow to be gone, yeah. for there to be no more winter, yeah. ready for it to be uh, behind us. I'm going to enjoy it while I can. Um, but I'm, I'm very much in anticipation for fresh flowers and green grass and the smell of spring. You all know the smell of spring, right? When it's like that first 60-degree day and you throw your windows open because your house has been cooped up all winter and you just smell that smell it's probably a combination of like these really strange it's probably a combination of grass growing but also like s smell of salt on the roads washing away uh it's this incredible the sound of spring too you know you're walking and you hear the water running you know the melting snow melting into the into the drains it's just it's such an incredible time of the year i love it um and there's this anticipation that comes with it, right? Like, I know for me at least, when it hits March 1st, I am like, when is it going to be spring? I am just waiting to see 40 degrees. This morning it was 9 degrees in my car. I'm like, what in the world? This is not spring. This is January weather, not almost April weather. But there's this anticipation for it, right? Um, for us, and I can't take much credit for this. This is Cherie. Um, we have transformed our backyard. When we first moved in almost seven years ago in our house in Cottage Grove, um, our backyard had this giant plot of mulch, but there was nothing there. It was just mulch. Um, and over the course of the last six years, Sheree has transformed it into this beautiful garden. And I look so much forward to just seeing those first buds pop up and those first like, wow, this is great. 
um, when I was a kid, I don't know if any of y'all were like me, but at least here, that first time you saw a robin, it was like, oh, spring is almost here. The robins are back, right? Uh, not knowing they probably don't go too far. Um, but it was always like this, this hope, right? Um, so spring has this, this excitement, this um, anticipation for new growth and, and just newness, right? Um, and, and really, the, for me, the peak of that is Easter Sunday. Um, when I was a kid... Easter, you know, you don't, you don't always understand the significance of what you're celebrating, right? Easter to me was, um, there was this restaurant that used to be between Ellsworth and Prescott. It was called the Virginian. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a wedding venue now, but it was the Virginian. It was this, probably a restaurant about the size of this room, um, but we would always go there for Easter brunch with my grandma. It was this like tradition that we always did. Um, you know, you, you're, you get all in your fancy Sunday clothes, right? Um, and you'd go out, go out for brunch. And it, when I was a kid, that was what it was. It was the brunch and the Easter egg hunt and, and the Easter basket that you would find in the morning. That was what Easter was to me. Uh, and now as, as an adult, uh, and you, when you truly understand what Easter is, it's so much more than all of the festivities and things that we do. And, and really, not only is spring a time of new growth and, and new opportunity and, and a fresh start, but really that's what Easter is all about. Uh, that Jesus created a way for us to have a fresh start. He created a way for us to start anew. Um, and that's really what I'm going to be talking about these next few weeks. But I think one thing that I want to emphasize is we're going to go a little deeper than just that. So the, the story of Easter and what Jesus did for us is incredible. But I want to take it a step further. I want to dig in a little deeper as we, as we look at this. So that's where we're going to start today. Uh, so if you have... Uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you haven't, now will be the time to do that. 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, verses 4 through 10 is what we're, what we're going to be studying today. Um, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation first, and then I'm going to highlight some things in the Amplified as well, because um, it's just powerful. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. <clears throat> it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are His holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the Scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust Him recognize the honor God has given Him. But for those who reject Him, the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone, and he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. I'm going to read that again because it's so good. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Man, that's good, isn't it? 
gosh, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. So let's break that down a little bit. I, this passage of scripture is something that I've been studying the last few weeks. Um, so we all know, I'm going to stand now. Uh, we all know that, that Christ died on the cross to atone our sins, right? He died so that we could have new life, that we could experience the God kind of life. He atoned and created a way for us to have a relationship with God. But what does it mean to have the God kind of life? What does it mean? And outside of just true salvation, us getting a ticket into heaven through Christ, what does it mean to have a God kind of life? What does it mean to be royal priests? What does it mean to be God's very own possession it does mean that we have salvation for all eternity we get to spend eternity with god in heaven but it also means so much more than that and sometimes i think christians get stuck there and that's a good that's an okay place to get stuck but we get stuck there we go sweet we're saved this is awesome but we never actually take it a step further and go what does it truly mean to be saved what is What are we being saved from outside of spending eternity away from God? So I want you to imagine this. How many of y'all have been to Manny's in Minneapolis? And how many of y'all know what Manny's is? It's It's a steakhouse in Minneapolis. It's, man, you want a good steak? You go to Manny's. It's real good. Like, oh, man. Uh, Yeah, just a a quick story. Shree and I went there for... 10th one of our anniversaries i'm not going to try and figure out which one it was we went there for one of our anniversaries and you know we don't we don't go to fancy restaurants fancy for us is like olive garden right give me some breadsticks some salad like we don't we have four kids let's be honest we don't go to fancy restaurants so we walk into this restaurant and i was like whoa this is a whole nother level whole nother experience right um it's the ambiance the smell the service, it's everything, right? We get in there and we start eating and it is, I ordered tenderloin, it is the greatest piece of steak I have ever eaten in my life. If you like steak, if you're a vegetarian, I'm sorry, but if you like steak, it's so, oh man, it's like butter, oh. And they have this appetizer, it's like this giant mashed potato, oh my goodness, it's just divine. If you ever have a chance to go eat at Manny's, go eat there. Um, but I want you to imagine walking into a, a Manny's or a, a fancy restaurant, in your opinion, whatever that may be. And I want you to imagine getting into the restaurant. You've, you've waited. You've got reservations. You get into the restaurant, and then you just sit there. You just sit there. You get into the restaurant. You get to your table. Your server comes up. Hey, do you need anything? No, I'm good. I'm just here. Somebody else comes by. Hey, do you need a f- refill? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm just here. I'm just... I'm just waiting, right? We wouldn't do that. If you're going to a nice restaurant, you go there to eat. To truly, like, you want the full experience. You want everything that comes with that restaurant, right? You don't want to just go there and say, hey, I went to Manny's. What'd you eat? Could you imagine that? If you went and talked to one of your friends afterwards, oh, I went to Manny's. Oh, what'd you get? Nothing. What do you mean you got nothing? I don't want anything. I just wanted to be there. You People probably laugh at you, right? Like, what do you mean? What? You didn't eat there? You didn't get a drink? You, 
you didn't try their appetizers? No. I just wanted to be there. That probably would be like, really? Why did you go there then? Right? A lot of that's like our relationship with Christ. He's called us to this incredible life. This incredible encounter. This incredible path forward. And we get stuck just getting in the door. We just made it. And then we get there and we go, no, I'm good. I made it. God wants us to partake of everything good that He has for us. But that's a choice for us to make. Just like it's a choice for you to make when you get to the restaurant, what you're going to order, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. The server would probably look at you like you're crazy too. You got a reservation, you're taking one of my tables, and you're not going to order anything? You're going to give me a tip? My livelihood, right? For those who've been servers, you know those people that come and they sit at your table for four hours, you're like, you're, that's my paycheck, you're taking it away from me. That's what that would be like. Your server probably like, can you leave? Like, if you're not going to order, can you leave? Like, I need somebody in here who's going to eat something. Now, God doesn't do that to us. He's not going to say, get out of here. I'm kicking you out. He doesn't. He lets you in the door, but he wants so much more than for just us to be there. He wants us to taste of the goodness that he has. You think a manny steak is good? Imagine the goodness of God in your life, right? He wants us to go a step further. He didn't die on the cross just for us to squeak into heaven. I'm going to squeak in. No. He didn't do that. He died on the cross for us to have so much more, right? Our relationship with Christ needs to be so much more than just squeaking by just getting by and that's that you know everybody is on in in their own relationship with the lord everybody is in their own place so whether you've been serving the lord for 50 years or you've been serving the lord for two hours he still wants you to be moving forward with him he wants you to be taking steps closer to him right it's great that we get in the door I think all of us can agree that getting to heaven is the ultimate reward, right? That we get to spend eternity worshiping our God. But what an impact we can have in this world, in this life, when we start to partake of what He has given us. In verse 9, in 1 Peter, it says that we are a chosen people. A chosen people. We are royal priests. A holy nation. God's own possession. Let me ask you, do you walk around in your life going, I'm chosen by God. I am His possession. I'm chosen. I'm a royal priest. That's who God says you are. That's not me making this up. That's in His Word. That's what the Bible says. We are His own possession. Imagine the impact that that, if you really truly embrace that, that that could have on your life. That if you walked around saying, I am chosen by God, the fear, the worry, the anxiety, the things that try to bubble up in your life, you'd go, no big deal. I am chosen by the King of Kings. 
And what do you think he means when he says royal? He, we're a royal priest. Everyone, you know, if you think back to the time that Jesus was alive, priests, they, they held a pretty high prominence in their community. They were very important people. Very important people. And I don't think that many of us put our place where we go, you know what? God calls me a royal priest. He sees me as important. He sees me as called. He sees me as his own possession. And do you think that a royal priest just gets into the restaurant? If we're royal priests, I can imagine you that if, if uh, royalty, so maybe not, I don't want to have royalty in the United States, but royalty, British royalty, right? I'm not even going to try to remember all their names. Prince William, uh, I'm going to stop there. Any royalty, right? If they came, you better believe they're rolling out the red carpet for them. People will be standing ready, waiting to take their picture. They have prominence. They have significance. And the Word of God tells us that we have significance. I'm not saying that when you walk into work, hey, where's my red carpet? I need it. It's not what I'm saying. If anything, it's the opposite of that. God says we're to be the least of these, right? But I think what it does say is, our relationship with Christ is not supposed to be viewed through a lens of just good enough. I am just good enough. No, your relationship with Christ needs to be viewed through the lens of He has made me more than enough. He has called me to be more than enough. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And you know what? Jesus is a free gift to us. There is not one thing in this world we can ever do to earn salvation. You can try and try and try and you will fall short a hundred times out of a hundred. There's no preconditions, no striving, no trying. You have full access to all that Jesus is. The thing that I want you to know though is it's a choice. It is a choice. And that gift, that, that gift of Jesus and all that He is, is only as good as when we access it, right? Christmas time, y'all get gifts, right? Think of the coolest gift you receive. I got a snowboard from Shree one year. That was pretty cool. But that snowboard is useless if I take it out and I put it in the garage and I never use it. I could look and I go, wow, that snowboard there, that's real cool. I got that cool snowboard. You come with your friends, come over. Hey, check out my cool snowboard. And they could ask, well, do you know how to ride it? Uh, well, uh, I've never tried, but it's really cool, right? Right? Like, we wouldn't do that. You get a cool gift, you, tell, you give me a Corvette, you better believe I'm going to be going real fast down the road because I want to see all that thing can do. I'm, you're not just going to put it in a garage and go, oh, look at my cool Corvette. I'm going to shine it, never going to take it out. What's the point? Right? It's a sweet car, and you're going to enjoy it. No one else does, though. It's the same thing with Christ. He gives us all of these incredible gifts. But if He gives them to Him and we just put them on a shelf somewhere, and we look at it and go, wow, look at that. But we never actually use it. We're, we're, we're selling ourselves short. 
we are selling ourselves short. It, Jesus is still going to love us the same. He's going to say, hey, that's great. I'm, I'm glad that you have it on the shelf. I want you to use it, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad. He's not, there's no condemnation. He's going to love you. The difference is, is that gift is not meant for you. That gift, like Shri was sharing earlier, that gift is meant to be shared with others. If he's given you a, a gift to teach, you can teach yourself all you want. You're probably only going to have an impact of one, though. It's when you teach others and you use that gift. If he gives you a gift um, of entrepreneurship, really great at business, and you don't do anything with it, there's a lot of great business opportunities that you're going to let go by because he's given you that gift to equip you and empower you. In verse 10, Peter says that we had, at one time we had no identity as a people, but now we are God's people. The Amplified says, once you were not a people at all, but now you are God's people. Once you were unpitied, but now you are pitied and have received mercy. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 says, he, has, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. So in that verse, not only did he free us from every kind of sin and cleanse us from sin, he also made us his very own people. We are God's chosen people. When Jesus died on the cross, yes, it was to purify us. Yes, it was to give us uh, atonement for sin. That's so important. But he didn't do all of the things that he did. He didn't endure the pain that he went through just so that way you could go, cool, I'm in heaven now. Yes, that is a benefit. But we, he died on the cross so we could be his people. So we could be his people. We could be a people that realizes our old identity is gone and we release it and begins to walk in our new identity. And what is identity? Peter clearly tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 what it is. We are living stones that God is using to build his temple. We are his holy priests, a chosen people, royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Jesus died so we could grab hold of that identity in him. Not for us to just walk through this life stumbling and trying to figure out where we're supposed to go. There's enough of that in the world today where people are just aimlessly looking, where do I go? What do I do? We went and saw Jesus Revolution last week. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it. It is a top-notch movie. Really good. Um, and in that movie, you know, it starts with uh, the stories about Greg Laurie, who's a pastor out in California. And it talks about his journey in, in the late 60s and early 70s. And if you lived during that era or if you've studied it at all, it was an era of lots of searching, particularly from young people 
looking for something that brought them, that just made them feel better, brought peace to them. And they, in the story, they talk about how, you know, the main character, Greg Laurie, tested around. He was into drugs and, and all the highs that went with that. And he was into doing all of these different things. And then all of a sudden, he meets uh, this guy, Lonnie Frisbee, who comes to his school and, and shares about Jesus. And he's drawn in. And it, the story itself is about how he starts to see Christ as that peace. And in today's society, it's very much like that. People are wandering around looking for something that gives them peace, that makes them feel whole. And oftentimes they're looking in all the wrong places. If they just came to Jesus, they could see that. They could see that they have identity, that they have this incredible opportunity to be God's very own possession. And I would ask you a question. If you viewed yourself as God's very own possession, how would that change how you made decisions in your life? How would that change your countenance? How would that change your attitude? How would that change how you viewed situations that came in your life? It would probably be very different, right? If you knew that you were God's very own possession, that Christ died so you could be his people, his person. That would probably change how you viewed things. And I think the thing as I as I kind of as I start to wrap this up, as I start to close, that's so critical for us to understand is that we oftentimes will put ourselves in this bubble of trying to be perfect. Right? We put ourselves in this bubble of, man, I, I, I know Christ and Christ has redeemed me from everything, but I, I'm just, I'm not, I haven't reached, I haven't, I haven't reached perfection yet. I'm, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still struggling with that. You don't think that the Lord knows that? You don't think that when you're trying to, go, when you're trying to overcome something, whatever that may be, maybe it's lying, maybe it's an eating problem, maybe it's whatever, you don't think that the Lord knows that? That he didn't already know that you were going to be going through something? The thing is, is he is standing there saying, you are my possession. I've chosen you. I love you. So give that to me. Give whatever you're struggling with to me. Don't try and tiptoe around it or into it. Give it to God. If you're going through something, give it to God. He already knows what that is. And He wants so much more for us. He wants so much more for us. And not in a striving type of way. He just wants us to truly understand who we are. He wants us to not get caught up in all of the cares of this world. And you know what? I'll be the first one to tell you that's hard. That's hard. Whether that's dealing with a tough situation at work, whether that's dealing with a tough in-law, a tough whoever, whatever it is, those are hard. And they impact us. They really do. That doesn't mean, though, that that has to change how you view yourself. 
this week we I have I have work Bible studies um, every Friday that I lead, um, which is really cool. But uh, one of the guys that I lead with, it's review season at my job, so everyone gets their annual review, right? And that can be a tough a tough time because you're either getting a positive review or some people are getting a maybe this isn't the right fit for you review. And if you put a lot of weight into your job and, and who you are there, and I've fallen victim to this over and over again, you find yourself putting all of your purpose, all of who you are, into your career. And you go, man, this is, this is hard. I got some really tough feedback. Maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I should be thinking about something... Maybe I'm not good at maybe I'm not good at this job. Maybe maybe I should never have done this. You know, your 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 head can start to spiral, right? Or maybe you're a stay-at-home parent. Shereen and I have had this conversation. My wife stays home with the kids. And it's hard when you're a parent when your kid is going through something to not feel like you failed them somehow. That you did something wrong, that you made a mistake somewhere that caused them to go this direction. That it's all your fault. And I'll tell you that the enemy will tell you over and over and over and over again that it is. You didn't pray hard enough. They, you must not have studied the Word enough with them. Before service, I had to deal with my four-year-old for 30 minutes because he was having a meltdown. That's hard. As a parent, he's four. That's hard. I feel like, man, I failed him. Where did I go wrong as a dad that this is how he's behaving? And at the end of the day, I have to remember that he's four, right? If he was 22 and we were having that moment, that's a very different conversation. He's four. He's still learning how to manage his emotions. He's still learning how to apologize when he makes a mistake. And I have to have the same grace for him and we have to have the same grace for the person at work, the family, mother, the family member that you're trying to get back on the straight and narrow, whatever that looks like. We have to have the same grace for them that the Lord has for us. Because let's be honest, every single one of us makes mistakes. We lose our temper. We say something we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. And Jesus doesn't look at us and go, shame, shame, shame on you. No, he doesn't. So the faster that we can understand that we are his own possession, that we are loved by him no matter what happens, and that those that are around us are loved by him no matter what happens, the faster we can start stepping into that direction. The movie Jesus Revolution is all about how these hippies of the 70s, what, I, I wasn't there, so I can't say what it was like. If you were, I'm sure it was a wild time. Um, but these hippies of the 70s, you know, the, it starts with this pastor, his name's Chuck Smith, and his church um, that is very small and is not very alive. There's a lot of people that are there out of, probably out of priority instead of wanting to be there. And he meets this guy, Lonnie Frisbee. And there's this dialogue between the two of them that just struck me as, like, it just hit me. They're sitting across the kitchen table and 
Lonnie looks at Chuck, and Lonnie's this probably 30-year-old guy with this brown, like, scraggly-looking hair, this hippie shirt that, that on the back it says, Jesus loves you. And he's like, Chuck Smith, we would love to be in your church, but your church doesn't want us to be there. And it was this, it's this moment of reflection of, you can see Chuck Smith's brain starting to go, wow, I missed it. I missed it. Here are these people that are crying out for help. And I missed it. And then he starts letting him in. And, un- and unfortunately, as more and more of young people come to the church, the folks that were there didn't like it. And they up and left. And you know what? It was their loss. Because the move of God that happened in and through that church was incredible. And they missed out on it. And I will have you know, you know, our church is continuing to grow. Whoever walks in that door is welcome here. No matter who they are, no matter where they come from, they are welcome here. We stand by that. And that's what we want. That's what we want. This church is meant to be a a safe haven for people. No matter what they go through, no matter where they've been, that's where they are supposed to be. And when they walk in here, my prayer is that they would feel so loved that the love of God would just infiltrate them because the more and more that we try to change someone, the more and more we will realize that's not possible. The only person that can change someone is Jesus. I don't know where that came from, but obviously the Holy Spirit needed me to say that. So let's just keep that in mind. People need Jesus. People need Jesus. So whoever, whenever, maybe it's not even here. Maybe it's at your job. There's somebody that you viewed as maybe an outcast for a long time that you've been hesitant to connect with. They maybe just need someone to show them love. I've been there. I felt like an outcast in situations. And all it takes is one person to make you feel like you're seen, you're heard.